Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined by Mo Stewart. Mo, how was your break being made? It's been good. It's been good. Like, um, obviously, for most people, they haven't had much to do with themselves, but for me, the international break came when the NFL season started. So I've been diving straight into that and having lots of fun. So, yeah, interesting to get back to talk to our shaped football for a change. Yeah, well, I have enjoyed the break myself. Uh, last week, obviously, we didn't have a podcast. We we took a step back. I went on holiday for a little bit. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Very nice. <laughs> yeah, nice place, mate, yeah. <laughs> I had a little word with Schmanka while I was over there, actually. I was sad, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, we had a few options for this week's show. Uh, obviously, we we can kind of take stock of the season so far. Potentially, sometimes we do a Q and A when we do uh, international breaks. But as I was coming home, uh, I got delayed in the airport, so I tweeted just saying like, um, "I'm in the airport. I'm I'm delayed by an hour or two. Send me any questions." And I did like a little Q and A on Twitter while I was in the airport. And I'd say genuinely about 50% of the questions were people asking about potential replacements for Mo Salah. Mm. So I thought, interesting topic, one that I haven't really seen any other podcast tackle yet because it's very, very early days, obviously. But it's one that I thought we could look at this week, uh, considering there's not really going on. So this week's episode, and people who sign up to the newsletter will know this because I did tease it yesterday, but this week's episode is dedicated to if Salah does leave in 2024, which looks possible, who is on the list of replacements? So probably a controversial episode, Mo. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Although this is the thing, isn't it? It's, it's not us saying that this is what we want to happen because yeah. I feel like in 12 months' time, we'll still probably be like, I'd actually rather keep Mo Salah. Thank you very much. But we have to brace ourselves for this potential reality. And because of the concerted effort to sign him over the summer that we've just got through, you can bet your bottom dollar that the people behind the scenes in Liverpool are doing exactly that as well. It's something that was always in their in-tray. It's just a case of when. So you, rather than be sprung and be scrabbling around for targets or your number one target when you know it's happening, all the better to be prepared and ready to attack if the need comes. 
Well, this is it. There's just been a bid of about 150 million, apparently, for him. Verbal offer. Um, obviously, it got rejected, and he is 31 now. He does have two years left on his contract. So, if you're going to cash in, it's going to be in 2024. Um, and he's an incredibly difficult player to replace. So, you need to plan it. You need to come up with a contingency plan. And we've done our best today to help out. Uh, as usual, typical analyzing Anfield tradition, I haven't seen a single suggestion put forward by Mo. He hasn't seen any of mine. But before we get into it, what was your general criteria? Tell me roughly what you was looking for. See, I'm glad you asked me that because it is very specific. Like, yeah. I remember what you were saying before when we were talking about this last time about there are certain kind of strict guidelines that we'd like Liverpool to follow when doing this. You mentioned left-footedness. That's made it into my criteria for sure. The other one, and this one might be the most controversial of all, I don't think it's going to be one guy. Like, I think we have to recognise the fact that while it might be financially and businessly prudent to sell him next summer, the fact is the probability of finding a player who can replicate everything he does in one go is still very, very low because they're either going to be very expensive or not for sale at all if there are out there. So you need to kind of think about taking all of his traits and all of his best qualities in, maybe a little bit by committee. And then you look at some of the other players who we've brought in over the last 12 months, some of the other players who, particularly those who you believe will be in the starting 11 week in, week out and see what they can do. I'm thinking particularly Soberslai is going to be close or adjacent to that area. And think about some of what he does and maybe kind of use that to maybe subtract a little bit from some of what you're looking at in this player to replace him. The other thing is that while it is Salah we are thinking about, it's not peak Salah in terms of peak goal-scoring machine, Ballon d'Or winning Salah. We have seen, even over the last 12 months, as the newer pieces are coming into the forward line, his game has evolved. So rather than looking at people who are replicating the numbers he did when he was at his best, we need to be replicating the numbers that he did really last season, or maybe even just a little bit above. Uh, <laughs> and by that token, I did look, and a lot of his numbers were actually down. I say down. Uh, goals, goal involvement, shots taken, assists, and expected assists were all down, but all remained within at least the 96th percentile. So... This is kind of what we're talking about here. You need guys who either are elite now or you have good reason to believe they will reach elite. And it's it's quite it's quite funny that Mohammed Salah's floor is the 96th percent. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly it's really like I was looking through trying desperately trying to find something he's bad at, and it's like his is actually his tackle rate is not very good. He's only in the forties in that, but I think we can let him off that. Although to be honest. I look at some of the guys who I've got on this contender list and some of them do have decent tackle rates. Like I've basically given each of the guys, each of the contenders a rating in three different categories that I think kind of cover the breadth of not only what Sal was good at, but what we potentially might need in a player in this role. So pace and trickery, that's one category. Goals and assists, actual output as in the numbers themselves. And then tactical flexibility slash pressures. So I think those three different categories will cover all of the different facets of what we're looking for in a player. And some will score highly in others. Some will score. Some have scored high in all three. So um, it's interesting to see. But yeah, I've got 
I've got seven names on this list. And oh. they do get slightly more outlandish towards the end. <laughs> That's what we're here for, mate. Um, <laughs> in terms of my criteria, it's it's an interesting one, this, because we we don't necessarily need a like-for-like replacement for Mo Salah in terms of the Mo Salah that we know. And I touched on this yesterday in the newsletter in the sense that when Salah came in, we were desperate for a left-footed, goal-scoring wide forward. That was what we needed, and that was because of Roberto Firmino essentially being our number nine, who just never scored <laughs> and wasn't quick enough to threaten him behind. So we needed our, le- our, our wide forwards to be complementary in that sense. The system now has changed. Um, our wide players, are no, they don't have to be as much inside forwards. No. Nunes could become the ultimate goal man. And you get all your goals from there. Our number eight nowadays are a lot more offensive-minded, yes. playing a lot higher up. That has a, a massive impact. Mm-hmm. And for this reason, I've seen people say like it doesn't. He doesn't necessarily have to be left-footed. Now, I would be a bit more on board with that if we just had more left-footers in the team. But we have nobody, mate. Literally nobody apart from Harvey Elliott if Salah leaves, excluding the two left-backs, obviously. So, um, I, I just think we need our next offensive sign. It it just kind of has to be a left footer, unless the left footers are terrible. It, it has to be a left footer for me, really, because you're edging towards a team of righties, and you just don't really want that for balance purposes. So, I have stuck exclusively with left footers. If at some point in the season we hear that Liverpool are also considering righties or whatever, then I'll reassess. But for this show in particular, I've only gone with left footers. And for that reason, I assume we'll have a lot of the same names. Because I don't know if you clicked on Mo, but the pool is very small. Uh, yeah. once, you, once you kind of pick out the left footers. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see, really. And I think it's only when you do start to try and find another one do you realise how few of them there are at the top end of the, fo- of the league and of the world football. But when you think about the fact that say, you've got Salah, obviously you've got Messi, and I believe Erling Haaland is left-footed as well. So yeah. there are some very high-profile left-footers. So the quality is there, the very top end, but the depth is not quite as good. But yeah, it's um, yeah, there are a few other factors I've brought in. Obviously, the same kind of factors that you look at when you're doing any kind of signing, i.e. Uh, injury records, um, price, um, age, those kind of things. So that's yeah. kind of influenced the ranking to some extent. But uh, yeah, I'm like you. I'm. I think people look at the list of names and think, well, not many of them remind them of Mo Salah. But that's kind of the point, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, nobody on my list is over the age of 26. Uh, I've got one 26-year-old player, and everybody else is younger than that. Uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I've pretty much got an entire list of players who exclusively play on the right of the pitch uh, because I think that's important. If you look at Liverpool's current options, we don't really have anybody who wants to play on the right. You've got players who can play there, maybe like a Jota. But Salah, for example, wants to play there. So I've looked for players who uh, are accustomed to playing on that side of the field. Uh, Again, just for balance purposes, I think Liverpool will need that if Salah isn't in the team anymore. Um, as you say, I've considered like 
I've considered constructs and, and price and things like that, but I must admit I've considered that a bit less than usual mm. simply because mm. we're probably going to get a big fee for Salah. Um, and I considered that a bit too much maybe with sixes because we went and bid 110 million for Moises Casado. So yes. you just you don't know what Liverpool are going to do to fill this void and Liverpool could, you know, it, it could be a, a bigger market than normal in terms of Liverpool being willing to spend and things like that. But... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll make a start then. So, I don't know about you, Mom. I've got no particular order in terms of like number one to number five or whatever. So, I'm going to go completely random, I think. Mm. Uh, I don't know about you. I've I've kind of semi-ranked mine. Like, there's the first four names I would put above the bottom three. But the first four, you could... Well, yeah, the first three-ish, I would say you could interchange. <laughs> I'll tell you what, then we, we'll go in order of like preference, really, and and the ones towards the back end of the show we'll, we'll regard as kind of curveball options, basically. All right. So, um, who's up first? Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Okay, drum roll, please. Brrr, my number one <laughs> is um someone who moved to the Premier League just this summer. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, Moussa Diaby, I picked as my number one. I had and, a feeling you was going to say that. Well, the thing about him is, you probably know, we've probably spoken about him in the past. I've been a fan of his for a while, but I do feel like there has been a noted change, uh, an upgrade in his development since the start of last season for Leverkusen. Whereas previously he was a player who had flashes of brilliance. He looked like he's a lot more consistent now. They can rely on him week in, week out to put in good performances. I do think he's tactically flexible. He's lightning quick and his growth threat is growing. He's 24 years old. He probably will break into a regular in the France squad over the course of this season. And like you said, fee-wise, it's probably not going to be one that's going to be getting any kind of deal on. It was 55 million euros that Villa paid to get him in this summer. So you could probably put another half of that on top if you're looking at buying him in 12 months' time. But I do think in terms of what we were looking for, the kind of threats he has, I think he really could be a great player in this team and possibly really enhance it. Yeah, he was on my list. And if I was to order them in terms of preference, he would be right near the very top. Um, in addition to being left-footed, he's just extremely two-footed as well. Like that's That's one of his biggest strengths. And... I think while he would be at home on the right side of the pitch like Salah, I'd say he's probably more versatile than Salah in terms of being comfortable on the opposite flank too because yes. of his two-footedness. Um, yeah, the, I think the one of the issues obviously is that he's just moved and he's just moved to a club that this season at least is competing in Europe. So he would be probably quite expensive. But on the back of that, for the next 12 months, we're going to see him in the Premier League to see how he gets on. Mm. Um, one other thing I'm not sure you mentioned is his availability is brilliant. Um, over the course of the past few seasons, he's just never injured. Um, right. last season he started 33 of is he 34 games in the Bundesliga? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, started 33. Uh, season before he started 32, season before that he started 28. So, really good availability. Um, there's really not many downsides with him. He's very unpredictable on the ball. 
good output, which, as you say, is is kind of growing. It's improving. I think his best mm. season so far came not last season, the season before. He scored thirteen times and registered twelve assists. That's twenty four returns. That uh, twenty five returns in the uh, in the Bundesliga. That. Um, so he is an exciting player, and I think he's probably, as I said, probably going to be near the top of the list. To be honest. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about the fact that his assists and goals were slightly down this season is that it was showing a little bit more responsibility because he had uh, Jeremy Fringpong playing as the right-back behind him, who's a very, very extremely attacking right-back. And the previous season, they hadn't really quite got it right because they both wanted to attack all the time and they were kind of getting beat defensively. But... Alonso was able to really get them to dovetail really nicely. So whenever Frimpong was overlapping, Diaby would be aware of his surroundings and building up that intelligent knowledge of his surroundings. That's another thing I think. He does look very coachable and that's something that we, we want in every kind of one of our players. So yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if he was close to the top of the list. Yeah, I think he can do elements of the two-way stuff as well in terms of... Um scoring and creating that d- depending on however the system is is used like i think when i first kind of started to watch him he was playing as like a an inside forward with kai Havertz as the false nine for leverkusen yeah. and he he done he did well playing like that but if he's then tasked with playing a bit wider um like the current system at liverpool for example he would again be completely fine with that and I think he's you know as I said he's quite unpredictable decent 1v1 and stuff like that so yeah he's one to definitely track this season and if he does well at Villa and he started really well to be fair to him um, he's going to be probably on our radar Um, first I think I will go I'll go Brian and Bumo I think he's an interesting shout left footed obviously uh, 24 years old so he's absolutely primed to make that step up now, just like the Abbey is. Uh, Premier League experience for a few years now. I think this is his third Premier League season. Yeah. Uh, his availability, again, is is brilliant, similar to the Abbey again. Uh, I'm just going to get up his availability now, just to be certain of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's very quick, as we know. He's, he's able to threaten them behind. And when I touched on our last podcast about Salah, um, that's one of the perks that, like, if you look at left footers, a lot of them are, are good players, obviously, but in terms of threatening them behind, you don't really have that pace to him. And Bumo has that. Um, again, going back to his availability last season, he started 86 out of 38 Premier League games. Season before, it was 34. Season before that, he was in the Championship and started 37. So, very, very available. Very, very available player, very fit. Um, good clean bit of health. Um, he's decent output as well in terms of his numbers. Um, he's already got four this season. Last season he scored nine, re- assisted eight. Um, his best season came as a 19-year-old, interestingly, in the championship when Brentford <laughs> were a bit more of a dominant side in that league. Yeah. And he scored 15 times and, and registered seven assists, which you would think if he was playing for a Liverpool that would probably be roughly what his numbers looked like, which would be, you know, that would be fine. Um, I don't think he's that much of a passer. Maybe I'm kind of downplaying him a little bit there because he does take set pieces and that, but I don't think he's kind of like a, I have the needle 
passer. I think he's a bit more. I think he benefits when he's got space, and yeah. that would be interesting to see him in a dominant team like Liverpool as to whether he'd encounter any issues there. But yeah, I felt the need to include him, and I wanted to mention him early simply because I think a lot of people, when they hear his name in reference to Salah, they would just instantly roll their eyes and be like, you know, as what are you doing? But profile-wise, yeah, exactly, yeah. But pro- profile, another thing as well, speaking of like price and, and ambition and all that, um, he's got a contract which is due to expire in 2026. So next summer, he'll have two years on his deal, which is kind of like prime moving time. So... I think he's a legitimate option. I really do. I think he's um, he's obviously not the a proper marquee name or anything like that. But I do think he'd be on the list. I do as well. I think <clears throat> you look at tactical flexibility as well from the times when he's had to play out wide as part of a three, and then the times when he's part of the Tony as part of a two. I think is really good. I think the fact that he has been able to step up in Tony's absence while uh, taking on the mantle of having to be the number one guy. And it's kind of taken to it straight away. I think it's good for him. The question you always get with Brentford players is, are they a system footballer? I.e., are they is the system perfectly crafted to maximise their strengths and hide all their weaknesses? Uh, potentially, maybe that's true. I think you talk about his passing numbers. I think what, a lot of what you see him doing well is uh, counter-attacks where yeah. Brentford are springing forward. He's able to pick the right pass then. Obviously, you look at Liverpool, that's something that we still want to be able to do, but it's very, we don't get them as many opportunities for counter attacks per game as Brentford do because teams are less likely to be pressing that high gun against us. So there will be things to adapt to, but yeah, I, I, again, he's one who I do think will be on the list in terms of pressing ability, intelligence, energy, those kind of things from high up the pitch. They've always seemed to be things that are high up on our priority list, and he's good at those as well. Yeah, he's as I said, he's an interesting player, and I think specifically looking at his profile, I do, I do think he fits pretty much the bill. As I said, he's he's, he's left footed, Premier League experience, always available, fast. His output is decent. He's really not that far from Salah profile wise, at least. He's nowhere near as special, obviously, nowhere near as much of a unicorn, but. Um, you've got to bear in mind, again, going back to this current Liverpool system and the way we're maybe going to operate without Firmino and the team and that, we're no longer reliant on, on on these two wide forwards that we've got to score like 20-plus goals, golden boots every season. We just need them to to be threatening, to be dangerous, to contribute in attack with a decent number of returns, but it doesn't have to be freakish. Yes. So I think uh, I think Bruno is, is definitely... A legitimate option there for me. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Agree, and I think another thing you have to consider: these are players who have the underlying quality. Who, if they go into a better team with better players, creating more chances, their chances of that that output will increase. That's kind of what you're hoping for. Yeah, yeah. Who's who's, who's up next? Well, that's a very good segue into the guy who I picked next. Next, um, Karim Adeyemi, currently playing for Borussia Dortmund. Another guy who has been on my radar for quite some time. He is one of those players who, when he first he came out, very much Michael Owen esque, as in he was scaring everybody with his pace, and then his basically his football was catching up 
with him afterwards. He looks like he's begun to develop a little bit more of a footballing brain now. Um, the other thing that I stood out is his shot conversion rate is very high. He's not, I mean, he's not taking massive amounts of shots. He's not taking stellar amounts of shots. I believe it's 1.8 shots per 90, which is kind of... Look at, yeah. But at the same time, he is his conversion rate is very high. So again, you put him in a system where he's going to get more chances, you would expect that number to increase. Um, the big knock on Adiemi is his injury issues, which he has had. So this season is going to be important to look at him and see if he can completely unscathed. But again, in terms of skill set, I believe he's someone who would be on there. He's he's a guy you've absolutely got to game plan for. And I think that's what we're looking for in a guy. We're looking for someone else who's going to cause our opponents a problem. So if we've already got Diaz, we've already got Nunes, we've already got Gakpo, we've already got Soboslai and maybe McAllister, who are already in form of fit and firing. If you've now got another guy in there who's going to be cause you a problem, you're going to have to game plan for. There's always going to be one of them spare. And I think some, having him, someone like him in the team would definitely deliver that. Yeah, he is also on my list. Um, interesting player, still very young. Probably one of the rawest players on my list. Um, but the the potential there is is obvious. As you say, he's absolutely rapid. Um, he would be a problem for opponents one v one, which again benefits the, the current system. Uh, remains to be seen whether we'll be playing this system in twelve months. But um, he, he does have that threat about him. And his final season in Salzburg before he moved to Dortmund. And he was still 19 at this point. Yeah. He, he, he scored 19 goals in the Austrian Bundesliga and posted five assists as well. So, you know, I'm kind of like an emerging wonder kid type thing. He's still kind of in that mould a little bit for me. Um, contracted until 2027, so I wouldn't rule it out completely. But I agree with everything you said. Um, I think he's that quick that his, his decision-making can sometimes look a little bit rushed. Um, but he's just naturally a really dangerous and threatening player. I think similar to Mbumo, though, in the sense that some of these players were so quick, you, you have doubts as to whether they would be effective against blocks uh, sometimes. And that's why that's where Salah, again, has been so special. He's, he's very, very quick and behind, obviously, but if you put a block against Salah, you can, you can find these incisive passes through the eye of a needle and that. And, um, yeah. Some of these lads were super quick have to kind of prove that. Maybe it's a bias thing that we just <clears throat> associate with quick players. Mm, I think the thing with current Adiemi that I've noticed, though, his close control and his dribbling ability, he's able to find gaps. And because he's not a very big fellow, he's, he's quite slight. So he's got a low centre of gravity and he's able to shift quickly off both feet. So, I mean, if you look at his like dribbles per 90, dribbles completed, a lot of those are... Late in, late in the game when you're facing against packed defences because obviously playing for Dortmund most of the time the, the team that they're playing aren't as attacking as they are so he's having to you go up against that a little bit more so again you can see how that you can take his raw materials and coach it into a way to kind of get around those issues but again it all depends upon circumstance I think because Dortmund are potentially building something quite nice like, I was going to put Yusuf Makoko on this list, but he's kind of very much a striker. And I think he's going to want to stay a central striker. But 
but if the two of them can build up some kind of partnership this season, then they might be dangerous, which again might make it more difficult to see him away. But he would definitely be in the mix for me. Yeah, so next up for me is I think I'll go one of the obvious ones is Jared Bowen. Um he is probably the clone for me. I think out of everybody, I think he's probably the guy who is the most similar, at least right now, to what Salah is slash was. Um him and one of the lad actually. I think one of the lad I'll mention in a minute. But Jared Bowen, yeah, I think is I think he's slightly older than what we want. I think it feels a little bit like the boat might have passed for that move to happen because he's now 26 and I think he would be 27 by the time this move happens. Mm-hmm. But one thing I'll throw out there with that is he is contracted until 2025. So next summer, he'll have a year left on his contract, which should mean West Ham can't absolutely say he's the cleaners. You should get him for an okay price there. He's definitely Premier League proven. Similar to the Arby, he's very, very two-footed. One of the most two-footed players on the continent as well. Um, availability, again, is brilliant. Um, never gets injured. Let's have a quick look at his numbers. So, yeah, last season, uh, 36 starts in the Premier League. Season before, it was 34. Season before that, it was 30. So, he's, as I said, he's never injured. Always available. Um well, so we got very mobile as well. He's not necessarily rapid. He's not like a, a Salah or anything like that. But he is quick. And going back to like a recurring theme with Liverpool recruitment shows that we've done, Jared Bowen is homegrown, which um, which Salah obviously doesn't possess. That's one of the things he doesn't have attached <laughs> to his game. Uh, and Liverpool have just lost Henderson, Milner, Ox. Kelleher is still at the club, but Remains to be seen what will happen in the future with him. Same with Phillips, Fabio Carvalho. Um, there's one or two others, I think. But in yeah. terms of homegrown players, Liverpool do start, kind of need them a little bit. And um, Jared Bowen is one who would tick that box. And again, his output is output pretty pretty great for the, for the level he's at. Um, you know, last season he scored. Last season wasn't overly great for him, to be fair. And domestically, he scored six goals in the Premier League and registered five assists. Season before, though, he, he scored 12 and registered 10 assists, which is good. His best season as a professional, when he was 21, was for Hull. Uh, he scored 22 times in the Championship and registered four assists. So, yeah, I think Jared Bowen's very good. Big fan of him. But whether my only doubt with that one is whether we've missed a boat on it. Yeah, I do think there was a period of time, maybe two years ago, when the first noise around us going after him first came around, where you can understand it making total sense. The only problem was Moselle was obviously still there. <laughs> and so he's almost kind of by through circumstance, like you say, got to a point where it doesn't feel quite as uh, perfect. But I still think he's going to be under consideration for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Not only the similarity, I think he's one of those players you can be confident that he he won't take as long to bed in as some of the other players will. The homegrown stuff obviously matters. And the fact that his contract isn't that long means that it's not necessarily going to mean what homegrown normally means, which is very expensive. The other thing to factor in as well is his agent, former Liverpool scout Ian Barrigan. Current clients include Andy Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold. 
So these are the other reasons why there have been strong links between Bowen and Liverpool, and I believe that he will be in the mix. In terms of potential downsides, I do think that he's like you say, he was never really quick. He he can he does have a five yards to get away from a man, but I do think it's something that he's not necessarily going to be up there with some of the others on this list in that respect. But again, I think if the deal is right, I can definitely see Liverpool go targeting him as well. Yeah, as I said, I think profile wise, he's probably the closest thing to a clone if uh, if we're trying to find an identical match for him. And I think Bowen as well is one of them who, if you do give him time on the ball facing a block I think he has got a pass on his locker as well I think he's mm-hmm. he's quite well rounded in that and he does have that kind of inside forward nature about him where he can I think he primarily is a goal scorer but he can also create goals and things and I think he's decent from set pieces off the top of my head yeah. so yeah he's a he's a player who, who would be on the list probably at the top arguably if he was two years younger but because he's yeah, he's got to turn 27 in about 100 days. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's it's not ideal, really, especially considering how much the average age of the squad has just come down this summer. Mm. You know, I might want to stick with that theme. Again, though, you have to think about the position in the rounds because the other thing that we haven't mentioned in the replacement factor is the elements from within. And I do think that we do have to factor in the potential for growth of Ben Doak. So you look at him and think, well, maybe if we're only if we're bringing Jared Bowen to be the starter in that position for the next three years, maybe a four-year deal, perhaps, maybe by the third year of that, a 19, 20-year-old Ben Doak is ready to take the position. So that's where you can start to think about the age as doable rather than just always being a barrier. You still have this potential problems with Selon, but I do think if he is still scoring goals as a 32-year-old striker, there will be takers in the Premier League because if you can score goals, there will always be takers. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's started the season well, you know, four, four starts so far and he's already got three goals and one assist you know, kind of sums him up. So if he continues in that vein of form, Liverpool will have a question mark at the end of the season in terms of like, do we explore it? Do we get do we get a price? Uh, you know, see how much he's going to cost and, and then weigh it up from there. I mean, if you can get him for like, you know, complete but 30 million or something like that, 40 million potentially as a 27-year-old, maybe it's a question mark considering like the RB would cost probably 70, 80 at the current rates. Mm. So, it's interesting, but who's next? Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Well, it's someone who's not quite as anywhere near as close to Mo Salah in terms of his profile, but someone who I think is a very exciting player and going to be another one of the guys who we talk about a lot this season, Michael Elise of Crystal Palace. Okay. And... Yes, he is very much the winger as opposed to the wide forwards. I think his last season split was two goals and 11 assists. And admittedly, three of those did come in one game. He's still in the raw stages. He's still not quite performing at his highest level every single week. But 
I do, from what we've seen, I do. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that come over the course of this season, getting a full season under his belt at the top level. Another full season, sorry, under his belt at the top level. He's still 21 years old. He has actually got a better output in terms of expected assists, successful crosses, key passes than you would expect. So even though he's not necessarily consistent, he's still averaging really good numbers, which tells you when he's good, he's very, very good. Price would be an issue, obviously, because it's Palace and we've seen what they do. But I do think he's become a more rounded player as well over the last 18 months. You've seen he's been able to contribute from a defensive performance as well, which is an absolute given when you're playing for Roy Hodgson. I think he's another guy who could potentially be a lot better than he is now in 12 months' time. Yeah, he's an interesting one. He's, he's, he is on my list. Uh, what else? Hang on a second. Let me see how many I've got. I think I've got about eleven names on my list, just in oh. case we got just in case we got that far. But at least he was <laughs> one of them who is who was involved, and he's an interesting one because, as you say, he's, he's different to the lads we've mentioned so far. Um, he is a bit more in the creative mold. And I think if Firmino was still at the club and we were looking for a Salah clone, he would not be in the conversation for me. He's nowhere near him enough of a a goal-scoring threat. And I think, if you're looking at his weaknesses as well, I'd actually argue that, in comparison to some of the names we've already listed, I'd say he's actually kind of almost slow in comparison to them. Like, I don't think he's quick enough to threaten them behind. And mm. that tends to be a big thing for Klopp. Um, but his availability is good. I think last season he started 30 games off the top of my head out of 38. Um, again, going back to that thing that we mentioned before, he's homegrown. Yes, he um, is. Proven in the Premier League and he has just signed a new contract, which is not ideal, but maybe there's some kind of clause in that or whatever. But um, he's, I think he's the joint joint youngest on my list, along with Addy Amy. So mm. he's one to watch. And, you know, the fact he's homegrown and things like that, I think that's one of the reasons he's getting linked with like Chelsea and, and City and things. Cause he's one of the best kind of, you know, British players on the circuit at the minute. But whether he's, I just don't know. Even though, I don't know if he's a clock player. That's the thing. That's my question. Like in terms of being a forward who doesn't threaten him behind, and in terms of, I don't know if he's particularly intense. You know I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's. I wouldn't say he's slow. I mean, he's not as quick as an Adiemi or even an Buemo, but he's not slow. Like he can. Be I don't a think threat. he's. I don't think he's slow. But I, 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 I mean slow in the context of who we've already talked about and I mean slow in the context of if you was playing a high line would you be worried and I don't think I would be if I was playing a high line against Michael Elise well I mean it depends I think I still would be because if you're playing a high line with Michael Elise Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunes then if Michael Elise has got the ball then I back him to have the quality to find those other two who are definitely quicker so Sometimes yeah. the threat in behind isn't always about the guy running in behind. Sometimes it's about the guy finding space on the counter-attack to play the others in behind. And I do think that that's the kind of area you're looking more with him. Again, it's different. And you've got to, th- you've got to think about the full makeup of the lineup. But yeah, he's definitely not as quick as some of those others. He's not one of those where you'll see Virgil playing a 60-yard pass for him to run onto in the same way that you would for some of the others. But I do think he's still valuable on the counter-attack and he does have enough pace 
to make it uh, an asset. Yeah, in terms of um, my next shout, I'm gonna go for Nicolas Gonzalez. I think hmm. uh, Fiorentina. So yeah, he looks like an interesting player. He's been linked to the Premier League quite a bit in in the past couple of windows. I think I think Brentford in particular are keen to get him. Both. I think I'm right in saying that he's kind of basically turning down once or twice, not overly convinced or wants a bigger move or something like that. But even the fact Brentford are interested in to be honest, is a positive considering they just never make mistakes. A bit like Brighton with the with the data driven stuff. But yeah, he's he's 25, so he's right at the top end of of the age criteria that Liverpool wants. He's got a contract until 2026, so he'll have two years left on his deal next summer, which means he could be attainable for a decent price. Yeah. Um, he is an international for Argentina. I think he's just started with McAllister against uh, Bolivia. Um, does get a decent amount of shots, despite being a wide forward. He's good in the air as well. I think he's slightly taller than the typical wide forward, about 5'11 or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's quite technical on the ball and things. In terms of his output, it's okay. It's decent. Um yeah, last season he scored six. Season before he scored seven. Season before that he scored six, and season before that he scored fourteen. Um, so he's kind of got that wide forward element about him, but not to Salah's level where he's no. chasing a golden boot. It's just, yeah, he, he, he fits the profile enough to to make the list, and uh, his availability has been not as strong as the that the players have listed so far. Last season he started thirteen times in Serie A. Season yeah. before it was twenty six times. Season before that, it was ten times in the Bundesliga for Stuttgart. So I think profile wise, he's along the lines of what we're after. But I think I would attach a bit more risk to to him compared yeah. to the lads I've already mentioned. No, agreed, agreed. I think th- they would be considering him kind of in the same order that we are considering him. I.e., yeah. one of the ones where it might be if if a deal makes sense whereby you can get him at a decent price. Maybe there's a hidden release clause we don't know about. But yeah, again, it's difficult because Fiorentina have been a decent kind of upper mid-table Serie A side for the last couple of seasons, but they don't have the kind of quality that Liverpool possess and they don't play the same kind of way. They They aren't played by opponents in the same way. So it's hard to think about translatable skills in the same way. But... Again, it's one that you could look at and think, okay, I can see where the game plan is for him playing in that role. But again, particularly when you consider the other forwards alongside him. But yeah, I'm so, what his market value at the moment is around the 30 million euro mark. I think if if we're in a situation where we are decided to go big on our defence and therefore we're looking for a, a, a cheaper option in that area, then I think that he comes into the view definitely. Yeah, I think out of play out of the players we've listed so far, and we're going to continue to list. I think he he would rank near there, the top in terms of cheapness, like in terms of the, the money that we have to pay to get him in. It probably wouldn't have to be, you know, and and particularly mad or anything like that. Um, who's next? Okay, so this is getting down into the. I was going to say not, that. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say that. Probably not, but still might have some value. Um, which make, which kind of makes it sound like I don't, I'm dissing him, but I'm not. Uh, Samuel Chukwesi is my next one. Someone else who's literally just moved. Uh, yeah. He just moved to AC Milan. Uh, but he was someone who we definitely were looking at 
for quite some time. He's been linked with us. Um, he does have, again, what you call a varied skill set. I think when you look back at his time in Villarreal, he was doing a lot of stuff where he would be a hug touchline winger. But then when they were playing with a kind of a more of a false nine, a Jeremy Pino as a, a central, he was able to do the, the Salah wide runs, out to in runs, and had actually good um, numbers in terms of his chance um, conversion. Didn't score massive amounts of goals. I think his most in the season so far has still only been five. So you want that to be more. And you would be looking to see how he does in Milan. But again, skill set wise, he looks like he could be one who you could develop into playing in that role. He's still 24 again, so not necessarily that old. Yeah, he's on my list as well. Uh, I think everyone so far has been on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's. I think he's definitely a player. We know Liverpool have have been tracking him kind of thing in the past and still 24, as you say, fast, quite tricky on the ball. Fairly decent availability over his career. I think there is a question mark with his output, as you say. Um, And I think arguably an even bigger question mark would be that he he has just moved, you know, and he's moved to AC Milan as well, a Champions League club. So um, with a contract there until 2028, he, he could be expensive if we do want to get him and I think just looking at his output especially I'm not I'm not sure we'd be willing to to pay what Milan would want for us to get him so yeah but yeah profile wise I do think there's 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 enough of a match there and as I said he's on my list I think the interesting thing about him is that in terms of doing a deal for Liverpool, it might be best if it doesn't work out for him at Milan and <laughs> they're looking to get rid of him after one year. Because <laughs> I do think obviously They've got Raphael still there, and they've brought in some other uh, interesting fours over the course of this summer. So it could be that they are eventually going to sell Leal, and if they do sell him, they may need to completely revamp the forward line. So that might be something to look at. But yeah, again, it's one that comes into the lots of other things that need to happen before he becomes the man. Yeah, next up for me... um little bit of a curveball and we are facing him this weekend. Uh, I'm going to go for Pedro Neto. Um, he's an interesting player I think because when he first emerged on the scene, he was a player mate and I think he he, he grabbed all of our attention. Yeah, He was getting compared to um, top players in the league and that. he was causing major problems. He was emerging as kind of the next Jota for Wolves. Um he is left-footed. He's still only 23. Uh, Premier League experience. He's represented by Gestafute, I think is how you say it. And Liverpool tend to do... I think that's George Mendes's agency, yes. and I think we, we do a lot of business with them. Um, he's really fast, really good dribbler, likes to carry the ball over large distances, obviously proven in the Premier League. Um, he's got a contract until 2027. So it's not ideal. He'll have three years on his contract next summer. But I think he's attainable for that reason. Um, there's a question mark with injuries. Mm. Uh, and that, that's why he fell off a cliff uh, in terms of the in terms of like media talk about him and things like that. Between 2021 and 2023, I think he missed a total of 79 games. Um he, he had one serious injury to his knee, then he recovered and had a serious injury to his ankle shortly after. So 
really, really unfortunate. But this season so far, he's played every game, every minute. And if he keeps playing every game, every minute, we'll see more of him. Maybe the injury stuff goes in the past. And if he has a good season, you know, the fact he's left-footed and things, um, all that Everton have just touched on, I think it's just one I wouldn't rule out. I, would, I wouldn't be yeah. that surprised, to be honest. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Definitely one on a watching brief, I think it's fair to say, because like yeah. you say, I, I remember he was another one who was heavily linked previously and there was a couple of games he played at Anfield where he was almost unplayable and I think it left a real indelible mark on everybody. And if he can get back to that player, then that player could definitely play for Liverpool. I think the question mark is going to be whether or not he can. And I think... The combination of two long spells out almost on top of each other. We've seen that with players in the past. It can take a long time for them to start looking like themselves. So it might only even be January, February time, maybe even later, that he starts to really feel like himself again. So it's one to kind of keep an eye on. But again, I do think if we're looking to have someone who has that kind of that trickery ability, but also that box intelligence to know he doesn't always have to be hugging the the right-hand side. He knows where the space is, and he's really good at attacking that. We saw the way he was linking up with uh, Raul Jimenez, another really intelligent footballer. So there's a player there, like we say. We just kind of need to hope he's still there. Yeah, he does have experience on both flanks as well. Um, and when he did last kind of make a real statement in England, you know, the time that we're talking about, he was only 20 and he, he started 30 Premier League games out of 38, uh, about 2,500 minutes. So he was, as I said, he was quite a prominent player at the time, and he was really, you know, emerging on the scene. And mm-hmm. what, what, one other slight doubt about him, though, is I think even then when he looked really great, he he didn't have that much output, did he, in terms of his... his I think he was a bit more of like a, a vehicle for Wolves to get up the pitch and to get into the box. But when it comes to... The end product, he scored five times and registered six assists. It's not bad, I suppose, but and it probably would get a boost. But it's, yeah, and, it's not amazing. Like. But again, it's like in the, you have to think about the context of how he would be used at Liverpool. Like, I think if we're buying Pedro Neto, then we're probably not expecting him to be our starting right, right forward after 35 out of 30 games. He might be someone who's just another facilitator for the bigger, more important weapons, so to speak. And you do still need some of those. I feel like McAllister over time will become that. I mean, he's still a weapon in his own right, but I think that his biggest skill will be facilitating others. And you do still need some players for whom that is their USP, if you like. And he could very much be one of those. Yeah, he's, he's one to keep an eye on, as I say. He's, uh, he, he looked really great a couple of years ago. Major issues since, just almost out of his own control. And it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on this season. Uh, who's next? Well, the last one on my list. And um, he's been on and off my list a couple of times, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I'm saying it, so here we are. Uh, Rafinha. Rafinha. <laughs> he's on my list as well. And it's like, yes... He's another one. He's 27 years old. He's the oldest on this list by far. And there is a long conversation 
in Barcelona as to how good he really has been or is. But again, you think of the raw materials, you think of the way that he terrorised players when he was at Leeds United, and you think of the other guys who we've got in the team who he could supply. Because in terms of, again, crosses, key passes, these are things that his output is elite. Um, in the second half of last season for Barcelona, he started finding his goal touch as well. He managed nine goals over the course of the season, some of the really important ones as well. So he's a man for the big occasion. But, and there is a very large but, I look at his shot conversion rate and it is 12%, which is, I mean, you don't need to be a stats buffing to know that 12%. If, you sh- if you're converting 12% of your shots, it's not very good. And his volume is high. And it's high in a Barcelona team where he's playing with Robert Lewandowski. So you'd expect it to probably remain high even when he was at Liverpool, even if we are going to be playing with Nunes and the likes of Diaz and Zobersley. So you do think that maybe you can wear that, but at the same time, you do also think that that would have to massively improve if he was going to be a regular. But you think about the things he's great at, his one-on-one ability. He's someone who loves staying wide. So if you have him and then you have a Zobersley being able to drive into the space that he creates, then again, you can see a world where those two really work well together. And it, let's face it, Barcelona's financial situation means that they may be looking to sell him for nothing. Yeah, well, the, the, the reason he's on my list is for that reason, mainly just because Barcelona seems to be nuts at times. Um, but yeah, I mean, long-term listeners of this show will know that I'm a huge, huge fan of Rafinha or was at least I haven't watched him too much since he's went to Barcelona. But when he was at Leeds, in fact, I'd go, I just remembered actually a couple of years back um, during COVID season, one of the episodes we did on this podcast when there was no football happening whatsoever <laughs> and we were absolutely crying our idols every week, um, we did a uh, an alternative Liverpool 11, right? It was 4-3-3. And we had to find clones of every Liverpool player. <laughs> my, it was me and Dave Hughes. Yeah. And my, my clone for Salah was Rafinha. And this was when he was at Lille. Um, I think it was Lille. Mm-hmm. And then he went to Leeds, looked really good. But one thing I like about him is he's so intense. I, I saw his, his physical numbers at the end of his final season at Leeds. And his, his running power, and his, his sprints and that, is just off the charts, proper Liverpool player in that sense. And... He's got that kind of creative creator slash scorer elements to his game, and he is still twenty six, which isn't isn't too bad. But it's probably sailed, to be honest. And I think one of the reasons for the re- behind that is he's uh, he's on about two hundred and forty grand, I think, at, at Barcelona. So in addition to leaving his favourite club, he would be taking a pay cut probably, um, and the transfer fee would be big. So. Sadly, I don't think it's going to happen, but he is really close to the kind of player I would be looking for, you know, if if we did have to replace him. I think Rafinha would do a job in there, definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, the other reason why, again, you can, you, you can see the reasons why he wouldn't want to leave Barcelona, but you can see plenty of reasons why Barcelona would want to get rid of him. And another one principally being uh, Lamine Yamal, who likes to play. Yeah, you know, yeah, it looks very, very good. <laughs> who looks like an absolute world beater already. Yeah, he looks incredible. And maybe by the end of the season, we'll have taken Rafinha's starting spot. So, 
I mean, I didn't really dare put him on this list because I I like to think Barcelona, stupid as they have been, aren't that stupid. <laughs> yeah. And again, that, I think... That would be should, amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I said at the very top of the show that there isn't one player out there who could replace Salah wholesale. I think it would be remiss of me not to mention the guy who I think who could come closest to doing that, who's Bukayo Saka, but he's not on my list because I don't think that Arsenal would sell him to us. And I don't think that even if they were to set a price for him, it would be one we'd be willing to pay. So we're not. I'm not pretending he's rubbish. I'm just saying that he's not in our orbit. Yeah, but it's probably good that you've mentioned that, actually. Bukayo Saka would be comfortably top of my list. Comfortably. But he's just, there's no chance of that one. I would be amazed. Arsenal would have to finish outside the Champions League places, I think, for that to even be a possibility. I mean, even, I, even I then, think, I can't see. I think Arteta would have to punch him in the face for that to be a <laughs> possibility because <laughs> he loves that club, honestly. And yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he can see himself being their trend, if you know what I mean, being mm. the, their representative on the pitch and leading them throughout their era. And damn it, unfortunately, I think it's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, Rafinha played for Rennes, by the way. It wasn't Lille, it was Rennes. Right, yeah. Uh, but I knew it was in France somewhere. Um, so I've got... I'll throw two more out there very quickly. These are the only two that we haven't touched on yet that are on my list, but they're so far near the bottom of my list that they're not even really on it. <laughs> but they're, they're there anyway, so I might as well speak about them. But one, one of them is uh, Johan Barriogo, who's playing for PSV at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the youngest player on my list, 20 years old. Uh, he's got a contact until 2026, though, so he would be attainable. He is quick. He's got that kind of inside forward way about him. Still very raw. Hasn't really, you know, he's not really proven or anything like that on the scene. Only been an arm for for a couple of months, I think, in terms of the first team and, and regular starts and things like that. I think the the movements made by Gakpo and Javi Simmons. I've allowed him to kind of come into the team yeah. and get more minutes. He's decent on a dribble, but and I think he's just turned down a move to the Premier League. Actually, it might have been Brentford again. Actually, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, so that that's one to keep an eye on. He, he does look good, and as I said, he's the youngest out of everyone I've mentioned. So if he has a good season, if he has a breakthrough season, th- I wouldn't rule that one out. No, and another I- an, another wild card shout that I'd throw out there very quickly is mainly because he's homegrown, to be honest, but is is Marcus Edwards, who's playing for Sport Sporting Lisbon. Yeah, 24 years old, similar contract, 2026. 20, he does have a release clause of about 60 million euros, I think. Um, he's rapid off the mark. He's not His top speed isn't that quick, but off the mark. The best way I can describe him in that sense, purely when it comes to his speed, he's very Aaron Lennon. If you remember Aaron Lennon for Spurs, yeah. really, really quick off the mark, but then his top speed, Joe Gomez would probably catch up with him comfortably. <laughs> yeah, well, that, um, that's why his move was always wait until the guy caught up with him and then chop inside every yeah, single time. Yeah. yeah, But, I mean, it worked. <laughs> yeah, he's getting linked with Chelsea as well, but who isn't? And yeah. um, he's he's quite small. I think he's about five six actually. Um, doesn't seem to be much of a scorer, but his passing seems to be good. He's a tricky dribbler. His output looks okay, hmm. but mainly because he's homegrown, we need homegrown players. He's worth throwing in there, you know, a left footer and that. But 
He looked if good you, for, for for Sporting when I saw him in the champ in Europe last season. Uh, yeah. He was obviously against Spurs. He was highly motivated because he's a former Spurs youth player. But yeah. I thought he looked very good. I thought he looked good the previous year when he played against Arsenal. Oh no, no, wait, that was last year as well. Yeah, he played against Arsenal last year as well. Yeah. Um, so you think he's someone who could, his skills could translate? Um, yeah, I think he'll be on a watch. Or oh, no, I think Bakayoko will be on a watching brief. There were some people, the same people who were maybe trying to make mischief around a potential Salah move to Saudi, who were saying that Liverpool were throwing bids in on Bakayoko as the one to to replace him. So whether or not that's completely outlandish or whether that's because someone's heard a sliver of interest and put two and two together and made 25, I don't know. But I do think, and this is going to sound harsh because it's not through any fault of his own, he feels like the kind of player who makes a big move too early and then regrets it. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I feel like going, circling back to the beginning, that's the one thing Musa Diaby didn't do. He probably wanted to leave Leverkusen before he did, but it's better for him as a player that he didn't. Yeah, I mean, looking at the players that we've mentioned there, it's, it would be interesting to see what would happen. You know, if, if Salah did leave and that, and, the, and Liverpool specifically wanted a left footer, I think we've pretty much covered most of the bases in terms of the options that would be on the table for Liverpool. There's really not that many that we could have missed, really. No. Um, and I think it could be similar to what Liverpool have done with the number sixes in terms of looking at the market, potentially realising that there's not a lot there and just choosing to wait until someone grabs the spotlight and says it's me. You know what I mean? And so it's going to be interesting to follow that over the next season because if you're looking for a specific left footer who's good enough for Liverpool, mm. the, the, there's really not that many. And you, you don't want to go and sign, for example, a Nicolas Gonzalez from Fiorentina because he's left-footed. But then because he's not at the required level, you just start and jot it over there anyway. Because in, in that sense, there's no point. You might as well just wait until you've got a yeah. boss left-footer coming around. I mean, the other thing to consider is that we're going to kind of get a little sneak preview of this, aren't we, during AFCON? Because we're going to have to find yeah. a way of replacing him. And there's obviously talk of uh, Sobazai playing in that position. There's obviously still Ben Doak. And those do feel like two very different ways of solving the problem. So it'll be interesting to see which one of those we choose, or maybe if it's a mixture of both, and maybe see if we can use that as a way of predicting what they think the long-term solution would be. Yeah, we'll we'll round up there anyway. It's been an interesting one. Uh, that was the most shallow replacements episode twelve months early. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we saved ourselves some trouble because, like, I'm not 100 percent sure there's going to be that many players to throw in in twelve months' time. So if we do it, we can just we can just replay. We can go off on holiday again. You can show me where you were. <laughs> yeah, we'll revisit it potentially. You know, in in 2024 and see if there's any any developments or anything like that. But it is quite a rare breed looking for these left footers. So, uh, and hopefully we've painted that picture today, but I'm sure still people will be in the comments with pitchforks and furious that we haven't mentioned like um, Rafael Liao or someone like that or or the lads from Napoli. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name. Um, but yeah, we'll let us know in the comments who you want. Mo, thanks for joining us, mate. No problem. Enjoyed it as always. And we'll be back next week. See you then. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.